Pod Moth. Do you see dead people? Not because you're a Bruce Willis superfan, but because visits with Gma got a little weird after her funeral. Are you often up at 3 a.m. googling the various ways in which bodies decompose? But you swear it's just harmless research. Are you the first of your friend group to go on a murder tour or rent a haunted location for the night? Then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Identity Podcast. protein powders that give me a little extra boost. There are mornings when I just can't get up and eat a huge breakfast, so I make a protein shake instead, and the powders I got from Unico Nutrition hit the spot. There are so many delicious flavors. Vanilla ice cream milkshake, ooey gooey frosted cinnamon roll, spoonful of peanut butter with chocolate, Aunt Judy's banana cream pie, molten chocolate lava shake, cookies and cream dream, and candy shop caramel squares. They even have a birthday cake cupcake with rainbow sprinkles. Unico Protein Powder for women and men is the perfect guilt-free indulgence. Use the low-carb protein shakes for faster recovery after workouts, healthier snacking, or even as a meal replacement. The powder itself is so fine that it blends seamlessly into milkshakes and mixes for baked goods, and Unico has a bunch of recipes on their website for delicious donuts and keto-friendly cinnamon rolls, to name a few. Unico's everyday wellness supplements help replenish essential nutrients and help you live your best life. Trim down and tone up with Unico's best-in-class supplements for weight loss, carefully formulated with five patented all-natural ingredients to help you achieve your healthiest physique. Right now, listeners of the Identity Podcast can save $20 on their purchase at uniconutrition.com. Just head on over to their website and use code IDENTITY at checkout. That's O-D-D-E-N-T-I-T-Y. Say goodbye to chalky, tasteless protein powders and supplements that fall flat, and say hello to Unico Nutrition. It's like a bunch of unicorns are having a rave in your mouth. Seriously. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to another Off Week Weird from the Identity Podcast, a proud member of the Podmoth Media Network. For more awesome podcasts, head on over to podmoth.network. There's something for everyone at Podmoth. On this Off Week, I wanted to introduce you to George Parrott, an outlaw with a particularly large nose who met his end by hanging, but lived on in a weird and macabre way. Big Nose George Parrott was a thief who kept the company of other outlaws in the country west of present-day Casey, Wyoming, and was well known for his frontier crimes. He also lived up to his moniker. 
Whether he earned it because of his large nose or whether his last name was derived from the French name Perrot is unknown. But what is known for sure is the grisly end that came to Parrot. So let's take a moment to take a walk in George Parrot's shoes. Not literally, of course, unless you want to take a trip to the Carbon County Museum in Rollins, Wyoming. There on display are shoes made of George Parrot. Yep, you heard me right. Let me elaborate. In August of 1878, the American Bar Association organized at Sarasota, New York. Surrey wicket keeper Ted Pooley completes a then first-class cricket record, eight stumpings in a county match against Kent at the Oval, and Big Nose and his gang were fixing to rob a train, specifically the pay car on the Union Pacific Railroad. Big Nose and his band of rowdies hid in the brush along the track after they tied a length of wire to a railroad spike. They intended to pull on the spike as the train passed over, causing it to derail. However, employees of the railroad spotted the spike and called the law. Big Nose and his men hid at the base of Elk Mountain in Rattlesnake Canyon, about 25 miles or so from the scene of the crime. County Sheriff's Deputy Robert Woodafield and Railway Detective for Union Pacific Henry Tip Vincent tracked the outlaws to their hideout, but they were killed on the spot. George and his friends were reported to have robbed a merchant named Khan in the spring of 1879 as he accompanied the military paymaster's wagon train from Fort Keogh to Bismarck, Dakota Territory. The group eluded capture for a while, and people in southern Wyoming were angry about the murder of Widowfield and Vincent. One of the outlaws, Dutch Charlie, was finally captured in early 1879. Lori Van Pelt wrote an article for the Wyoming State Historical Society titled Big Nose George, A Grizzly Frontier Tale. Quote, on January 23rd, Charlie was being transported from Laramie to Rollins for trial when the locomotive stopped for coal and water at Carbon. There, a mob boarded the train, dragged him off, and hanged him from a telegraph pole. He was not considered worthy of burial in the Carbon Cemetery, where Deputy Widowfield was laid to rest. Dutch Charlie's unmarked grave is located somewhere in the sagebrush outside the cemetery boundaries. One account indicates that criminals apparently bragged in the Miles City bars about their recent successful exploits, including the Wyoming Territory murders. Someone wired Carbon County Sheriff James Rankin, who headed to Montana in July of 1880, and brought Big Nose George back to Wyoming Territory. Two other members of the gang had escaped. Rankin escorted his charge first to Laramie, and then rode with him on the train headed to Rollins. On September 13, 1880, Big Nose George was arraigned in Rollins. He told his lawyer that his name was George Francis Gordon, reporting that his birth date was April 1843 in Dayton, Ohio. He first entered a guilty plea, and then changed his plea to not guilty. On November 16, 1880, the jury was sworn, and two days later, George again changed his plea back to guilty. A motion was filed for arrest of judgment and sentencing, and the court took this under advisement, but denied the motion on December 15, 1880. 
At this time, death by hanging was the punishment for those found guilty of murder. Big Nose George was sentenced to hang on April 2nd, 1881. End quote. Big Nose did attempt to escape from jail 10 days prior to his execution, sawing off his leg irons with a pocket knife and hitting the jailer in the head with them. The jailer's wife, becoming aware of the attempt to escape, closed the outside door and thwarted his plans. She fired a revolver in the air, bringing guards to her location. On the day of his execution, Big Nose was told to stand on an empty kerosene barrel and a rope was tied around his neck. The other end was thrown over a telegraph pole, but when the barrel was kicked, the rope broke. Big Nose begged to be shot instead, but the noose was replaced and he was told to climb a 12-foot ladder. The leg irons he'd hit the jailer with had been repaired and replaced and weighed him down. Finally, in front of a crowd of an estimated 200 people, he choked to death. The body went unclaimed, and Dr. Osborne and Dr. Thomas McGee, two doctors on hand to pronounce death at the hanging, claimed the body for medical study. Osborne created a death mask of Big Nose, and his skull was cut into two pieces. One McGee gave to Lillian Heath, who would later become Wyoming's first female doctor. McGee also laid claim to the criminal's brain for further study. The other, along with the rest of the remains, were buried in a whiskey barrel and discovered in 1950 when workers were excavating for a new department store. Now, I'm sure at this point in the story, you're wondering about those shoes. Osborne, upon making a death mask, also had the body skinned, and he turned the skin on Big Nose George's back into a pair of shoes. Wyoming State Archaeologist Mark Miller examined the outlaw's skull and the shoes in 2014, verifying that they are indeed crafted out of human skin. And many people in the U.S. and Canada have come forward, claiming to be relations of Big Nose George. Unfortunately, these claims can't be verified, as removing a sample from the shoes would destroy them. Oddly enough, Miller himself also has a connection. His great-grandfather, I.C. Miller, was the Carbon County Sheriff at the time of the lynching, but he just happened to be working in a different county on the night that the execution was carried out. Miller also suspects that the man who was executed didn't lie when he gave his name to authorities, leading him to wonder if the shoes are made from George Parrott's skin at all. Regardless, Osborne wore the shoes fairly regularly, and even wore them to his inauguration as governor. That's it for this week, dear listeners. Tune in next time for more tales of the creepy, weird, and paranormal. And as always, stay spooky. Enjoy what you've heard? Visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash identity pod to drop a donation into my tip jar. Thank you for your support. The Identity Podcast is brought to you by host Janine Mercer. It's written, produced, and edited by Janine Mercer, unless otherwise stated, and the music is created using GarageBand. The podcast is available on Twitter and Instagram at IdentityPod, and on Facebook as The Identity Podcast. 
If you'd like a transcript of this episode, one will be available at theidentitypodcast.wordpress.com. Sincerest thanks to all who have promoted the podcast to their family, friends, and coworkers. Every little bit helps. Thank you.